It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Nanny Mitz. Today, we are unfortunately doing a preview for Kansas football. This may or may not be our last one of the year, kind of depending on what happens in this game. Uh, but Kansas is getting ready to play uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders in what was supposed to be the season finale. Um, but because of COVID, you know, they have one more game kind of coming up here next week. But to help us preview this Texas Tech game, I have Albie Shore joining us today. Albie, how are you doing? I'm doing well to talk some Texas Tech KU basketball, right? Talking I basketball. Wish. Oh man, I wish <laughs> that would be so awesome. Although that so game, yeah, that, that game is coming up pretty soon here, it is. isn't it? Like it's it it's is. one of the ones that's in December. It is, and I, you know what? For years or for decades, I should say, like we Tech fans, we never knew understood the whole like not caring about football until December thing. Now we completely understand it. This is a really – this actually makes sense. You don't have to worry about football when your basketball team's good. We get exactly. how y'all have been. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is so nice to hear someone else say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We join y'all in the bad football, good basketball uh, uh, part of the Big 12. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it doesn't stay that way for both of us for very much longer, but we'll have to see. <laughs> so, Have you that, seen our teams? <laughs> well, no, true, true. But have you seen our team? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so so obviously it's going to be one of those types of games um we kind of thought that maybe the the last Kansas game against TCU was going to be something similar and then TCU put up 21 points on really like wide open tight end passes um hopefully we don't we don't see something like that for this game coming up but I do want to talk about this Texas Tech Red Raider team because they've been I think the best way to describe it is they've been up and down they've had a few games where you know, I'm thinking specifically like the uh, the Texas game where it looked like they were actually going to pull that upset off really early in the season. Um, that kind of gave hope, I think, to a lot of people that were thinking that Texas Tech might have been able to do something this year. Um, but it's kind of been downhill for for a lot of the games after that. How, how has this second year under Matt Wells gone, and what's the general feeling around the Texas Tech program right now? Uh, so the general feel around the program, that's a very interesting question. Um, so half the fan base already in year two. And before I even say this, our Texas fan base is a very patient fan base. Like we usually let our coaches go through the, the uh, bad periods that they need to. Uh, but about half the fan base wants him fired. This is <laughs> as a real patient fan base, about half the <laughs> fan base wants him fired already. Uh, what, and what is, what is this now? Um, 20 games into his tenure already want him gone um if anything i think everybody's in agreement that our offensive coordinator at the very least should not be back next year um so that's kind of where we are with matt wells it's one of those things to where when you hire a coach that 
very few people have heard of beforehand. Um, you kind of got to knock it out of the park, and it's been the exact opposite of knocking it out of the park, especially when he's replacing a guy that everybody loved. Like, everybody loved Cliff Kingsbury. Regard, you know, it just the thing about it was Cliff Kingsbury just wasn't winning and wasn't upholding the standards that we thought was in place. And for you to replace that guy and do worse is not good. Yeah. I mean, and of course, Cliff's problem wasn't necessarily his offenses. It was it was all in that defense. He could, for whatever the reason, could not find someone who could successfully run that defense for him to give them an opportunity to actually stay in games. Well, um, so exactly. So before with Cliff, we would lose games. That must be a fun loss, right? Like the toe tap loss to TCU, the uh, Baker-Mahomes shootout. Like we would lose, but they'd be all over ESPN the next day at least. Now we're losing, you know, ugly games you know losing 31 21 to k-state like that's not fun nobody wants to see that no really nobody does so (laughs) but no i mean honestly like the the beginning of the year it looked like that was going to kind of get back to normal like they were going to be you know high-flying offense i mean they scored 35 against houston baptist although you know they gave up a lot more points than they probably should have but then you know to lose uh against texas in overtime, 63 to 56. Like it seemed like the, the high flying Texas Tech offense was back, that the defense was going to potentially be able to step up in a few spots, especially since, you know, the defense. Well, oh, hold on, never mind. I was trying to sit here trying to. I thought I had found a, a couple spots in here, but I realized that those uh, were Texas Tech scores, not not the, uh, uh, the other scores. So, apologize <laughs> for that. Um, uh, way, to, way to hit it where it hurts, Andy. Yeah, no, sorry. Basically, the only the only spot where the defense like showed out fairly well was against Baylor, and even then, that was twenty three points. So, um, you know, I will say though, it's I I'm guessing that Texas Tech is probably going to have a much much better defensive performance this week against Kansas, but we will get to that in just a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I am, I am curious though, because I think of what a lot of people were wondering was how Matt Wells system was going to translate to Texas tech. And um, you know, I, whether it's injuries to Bowman or Bowman being ineffective, you know, they've gone to Columbia um, it, who, you know, transferred from Utah state. So was familiar with Matt Wells system, but have now recently gone back to Bowman. So what what's going on with this offense? Is it just that Bowman is probably the better guy if he's healthy, or is there something else going on that that's causing them to jump back and forth? So honestly, there's not a big difference between in skill level between Bowman and Columbia. I personally believe that Bowman gives Tech the higher ceiling, but I also think he gives Tech the lower floor. Right? It, it, he has a v- wide variability in the bit of the way he plays, and a lot of some of it's tied to his. Um, some injury problems. He has played hurt this year, even. Um, some of it's tied to the fact that he's not very mobile. And our offensive line just is the worst offensive line in the Big 12. And I'm including K- Kansas in that group. That is a bold statement is, there. Our offensive line is awful. It's absolutely – like, I remember before the TCU game, TCU um, uh, fans were talking about how bad their offensive line is, and then they saw ours and was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, our offensive yeah, line but- is absolutely terrible. Man, I did not realize that this was going to be like the competition to see who has the worst offensive line in the Big 12 this week coming oh, up. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> hey, we'll get to it a little, little bit, but I think y'all have – there's a lot more problems that y'all have than offensive line. But for Tech, I think the biggest thing is, is that because we don't have a good offensive line, Bowman's not very mobile. They went to Columbia, who's just a more mobile quarterback and is really good at moving the – moving the chains, right, getting those constant first downs. But with Columbia, he doesn't have good arm strength. Um, He's not the most accurate quarterback either. And so because of that, when you're not moving the chains, you're just getting constant 
you're getting constant pushback in your own right. Bowman, at the very least, stretches the field out a little bit better. Uh, he makes our best receivers better. And so what you saw in the last couple games against Baylor and against Oklahoma State is, is that Bowman gives us our best chance to win, but also probably our best chance to lose, as you saw in games like K-State, games like Iowa State. And I have we, – we joke on the Air Raid podcast that we have to bring it up every single podcast episode that Texas Tech had a 15-point lead with three minutes and 13 seconds to go against Texas and blew it. Yeah, I was a little upset about that because, you know, I'm going to be honest. I was actually moving across the country. It was, I used to live in uh, Virginia and moved back to the Kansas City area. And uh, I was actually driving. Like, we were, we were moving that weekend, and I was listening to that, um, you know, as we, were, as we were actually coming into the state of Missouri. And I was super excited about the fact that Texas Tech was going to, uh, you know, Texas in their place nice and early and, um, you know, kind of enable everything that I was hoping for from that Texas team with everything falling off a cliff for them. And, and unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Um, you know, but I mean, it is, it is kind of one of those things uh, to, to kind of get back to the difference between Bowman and, and Columbia, because what I've noticed kind of watching it from the outside, it seems like Columbia's biggest asset is his mobility and his ability mm-hmm. to get out on the outside and actually run it, which worked to perfection against West Virginia, because West Virginia was not set up to be able to stop a running quarterback um, and, you know, so he was able to to really hurt them at specific times and keep the chains moving and and, you know, make it so that the, uh, the that the defense could come up as the big hero in that particular game. Um, I, I guess, you know, are you do you do you have any ideas about one like with this being the final game of the season and Texas Tech not really playing for anything at this point, because while they're they're technically bowl eligible because everybody is. I, I, I find it hard oh, to win. You know, and we ain't going no bowl. <laughs> we ain't going to no bowl. I find it hard to believe that they're gonna that they're gonna like it would it would take gigantic COVID outbreaks from like pretty much every other team for teams like Kansas or Texas Tech to even have you know be thought of as a potential bowl team this year. Uh, unless, unless, though, they the, unless they create the unless they create the Whataburger Bowl in Corpus Christi, we're going nowhere. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and actually, from what I understand, like, they've already started to have some bowls that have canceled because of COVID concerns. Like, the bowls are just not not actually taking place this year. So, you know, there may not even be enough spots for most teams that would normally go because of that. So, like, with this not really being, um, you know, playing for anything at this point other than pride, like, what are you expecting from them to do offensively? And like, are you expecting them to try to work on things that we're going to translate into next year? Or are they really just trying to end the season on a high note and, and, you know, do whatever they think is actually going to work offensively? Yeah. I don't think they're going to treat this like a, like a bowl game. Basically. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to actually try to at least win this game, win this game nicely, start things off on a, or end the season on a high note. We may, depending on what the, um, how the game is looking at halftime there, there is a chance that they may start doing that in the second half and seeing, you know, maybe starting some of the young guys in, in certain places. I think quarterback-wise, I expect, um, unless it's a true blowout like it might be, um, I expect Alan Bowman to play for the majority of the game. I think he solidified himself as the starter on this team. Um, I don't think they're going to go back to Columbia and, until it's, uh, you know, spread out that much. But I do think you're going to see in this game some of the younger guys, playing, especially in the second half, playing for next year. In the receiving core, you know, our, it was started the year as a, a – what started the year out as kind of a big three and Eric, Eric Izukanma, Kashawn Carter, and TJ Vasher has now kind of gone into a – Eric Izukanma is our best player and a plethora of receivers behind him. Like we saw uh, uh, Louis Fongi, who I was really excited about before the year, true freshman, finally got his first touchdown last week. Um, you're seeing guys like 
Jalen Polk get more playing time. Uh, Dalton Rigdon actually got some playing time. He's a true sophomore. So um, I think you're going to see a lot more young guys in this game, especially in the second half if this game does start to get out of hand a little bit. I think you're going to start seeing guys like Xavier Wright at running, Wright at running back, Todd Brooks at running back, some more young guys, some guys that uh, uh, Matt Wells recruited. And Matt Wells, you know, some some of Wells' guys, I think are going to get a lot more playing time in the second half especially. But, it's, but, first, but first things first, they're definitely going to try to – you know, get a nice, good, solid win out of this. I mean, if the game is close in the second half, I don't even throw anything I just set out the window. They're going to try to win it. Yeah, I mean, I think both of these teams would like to get the win. Kansas obviously looking for their first win in the season. They're going to pull out all the stops at this point because, to be honest, this is the last game that any rational fan would say is even – you know, what? remotely winnable. Y'all can so. y'all can do it, Andy. Don't know. Don't you listen? It's <laughs> Look, up to y'all. I've been beating that drum all year long about Kansas going to upset Texas, and I do think yes. that moving it moving it to the end of the season at least helped somewhat, given the situation. But that game against TCU, man, that really just kind of I don't know. That broke something. <laughs> I'm oh, hoping I'm hoping they can show out in this game at least and keep it close to you know. Give me some hope again and make it so that I can be super annoying for Philip over on the 10-12 podcast um, for one more week. So, um, and, and then, of course, if they actually pull it off and get the upset, then I'm just going to be insufferable for the next the year. So, um, The only I'm, problem if, with y'all beating Texas is that if y'all beat Texas, then Tom Herman most likely gets fired. And we don't – at the Big 12 as a group, we need to understand that we don't need – we need Tom Herman at Texas. That's just – it works. It's a it's a match made in heaven. He's mediocre, but not mediocre enough to get fired. Um, but he's also not any good. Like that's we need him there. So that's kind of a catch twenty two. Well, but if he's mediocre this year and it's mediocre next year, he probably gets fired no matter what happens the rest of this year. So it's one of those things. Like rather than giving him a stay of execution, it would just be you know perfect, perfect you know poetic justice for Kansas to get him fired as well. You know after. Considering they got Charlie Strong fired the exact same way for four years ago, so like I would be I would be completely down for that if they could actually make it happen. So we'll have to see. But um, you know, it's also it's also kind of one of those things like this this Kansas team is struggling to find something right now, and and Texas Tech is is also trying you know struggling um, to kind of get back on track here. Um, what what about the running game for the Texas Tech team though? Because like it seems like they've had some success here and there but it's kind of cooled off except against Oklahoma state. And for whatever reason, Oklahoma state's been struggling to keep anyone from really moving up and down the field the last, you know, four or five weeks. So like you were talking about how the offensive line has been an issue. Has it been an issue for the running game or is that more for pass protection? No, it's been an issue all the way around. And and we have pretty good running. So Roger Thompson, I think is the best running back in the big 12. You don't know about. In my opinion, I think that, you know, all, all the other ones, obviously the, you know, the two running backs from Oklahoma State, uh, the, um, you know, Oklahoma's running backs. There's a lot of good ones in the Big 12. So Roger Thompson's probably the best that nobody knows about. He's really, he's good. He's stocky. I wasn't expecting much out of him from high school. And he just wowed us in his freshman year last year. This year as a sophomore year, he's been good in spurts. But the biggest problem, like I said before, is, it's that O-line. It's, it's really hard for Sir Roger Thompson to make his way through the O-line when there's no holes that are opening up. So what ends up happening is, is that we try to mix in different running backs in there, some change of pace guys, guys like Xavier White, like guys like Todd Brooks, um, some of those young guys. And they're not – they at times – I mean, last game Todd Brooks averaged four yards a carry, which I think was his season high. Um, and it's not that he's bad. He's shifty. He's nice. He's quick. And I have – I think he has a bright future. Um, 
but there's just not much there for the O-line. I think right now our best, I don't want to necessarily call him our best back, but our, our most efficient back is probably Xavier White. And it's mostly because of just his range of ability, the fact that he can run outside the tackle, the fact that he doesn't need to rely on the O-line as much. So Arthur Thompson is 100% a between-the-tackles guy. That big run he bro- broke off in the Oklahoma State was right off the uh, right off the tackle there. And so he um, so he needs the O-line to be able to open up holes for him to where Xavier White can kind of do that and going to go outside and can make guys miss on the corner as well. So um, the running backs aren't the issue there. It's all O-line. And then the crazy thing about the O-line is, is that Jack Anderson, who if you go to 247, is the number one highest ranked recruit in Texas Tech history, um, is a senior this year. And this is supposed to be the year that he is working to be a, you know, day one or day two draft pick. And it's just this year, since Matt Wells has gotten to campus, he has not looked like like an NFL player. He's not looked like the guy that we expected him to look. He's not, I would argue that his sophomore year, he's looked better than he has his junior and senior year. And it's pretty, it's not, not, not great. Um, but it, it, it is what it is. Which makes you wonder how much the scheming is different and not really playing to his strengths, you know, coming from a place like Utah state, the way you have to scheme for your offensive line to block and to do, you know, to kind of get your offense going is going to be completely different than what you have to do at the big 12 level. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen this in the past with guys that are super successful, like, you know, the way the climate is set up um, over, over at Kansas state, um, you know, now it, it helps that there was a lot of talent there because that was the one thing that Bill Snyder was still able to to really recruit well. Um, you know, but but uh, you know, there there always is kind of some some wonder about that the way that they want to do that blocking and all of that is that going to be a problem for them moving forward because it's completely different in the Big Twelve than what it is at you know even the top tier FCS programs or you know Utah State or, or anywhere that you're coming from like that and so you have to scheme for it a little bit differently I'm wondering how much that actually affected it um yeah also, on, on, go ahead well yeah I would, I would argue that yeah I mean that's that's a very good point because especially on the O-line like the the splits under Kingsbury was much wider right it was much more of a spread offense much more of a or like that old air raid plus run is what I like to call it to where you have more receivers, but it's really just pass blocking from home, pass blocking for Davis Webb. You have room to, to really work to where this is more the, a lot more zone reads in the system, a lot more hitches, a lot more quick, quick action things. And so because of that, whenever Bowman does drop back, it's different. Right. And so I, there is right. definitely some, some to that. Um, I think one thing Kingsbury is really good at on offense was playing to his player strengths and where Matt Wells and David Yost, they'll see, they're more of a this is a system and you need to adapt to it. And I that is something that I'm curious as to are these players adapting the way they need to. And I think that was Bowman's biggest problem last year and early this year. I think in the last two games, it part of me feels like maybe they're starting to adapt to Bowman a little bit more. Uh, but I still don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been plenty of other problems that haven't really helped much. Um, not some of them not under Matt Wells control, but uh, you know, other ones dealing with either assistant coaches, not really kind of executing the vision or giving a clear vision to the players. Um, And some of it could potentially just be players not really catching on to what it is they need to do. Either way, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement there. And hopefully they can kind of get things turned around soon. I do want to turn it to the other side of the ball over on the defense. Um, But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock chalk podcast. And we're back. All right. So, um, turning over to the defense because, you know, Texas tech has had their moments. Um, you know, I'm thinking specifically about that. Uh, I believe it was a scoop and score against, uh, against West Virginia. 
uh, to actually win the game there. Um, you know, they've, they've had a few other moments kind of here and there to, to really help them out. But uh, what what is kind of been the main problems for this defense? And, and do you think it's something that, that a team like Kansas could potentially exploit in the game coming up? So I will say to listeners, our defense is not as bad as it looks. <laughs> it's really not. It's really I feel not like I say that. I feel like I say that about Kansas all the time. <laughs> like there's guys on the defense. Like there's some guys on the defense that I look at them sometimes. I'm like, man, you're going to play on Sundays. Like there's, so there's a couple transfers that we had. And for the beginning of the year, we were talking about it on the area podcast about how um, our linebacking group is just guys that full of just our linebacking group this year is I would argue might even be better than it was last year whenever we had um uh name is, escapes me now <laughs> when we had when we had our sorry I can't help you there <laughs> yeah when we had our great big linebacker that got drafted in the first round sorry Jordan Brooks Jordan okay, Brooks there we go. Man, um, <laughs> yeah our linebacking core this year is I would argue is even better than last year's when we had Jordan Brooks so we have guys like Colin Schooler from that transferred from Arizona Sean Merriweather that came from Garden City Community College. Like, we have some studs on the linebacking group, uh, um, group paired with the guy that's been here forever, Enrico Jeffers. So our linebacking core has been really good. I think the biggest thing, and I blame Lincoln Riley for this, because I think a lot of the teams were playing into our strength, which is our linebacking group early in the season. And then we played Oklahoma. And then all Oklahoma did was they said, hey – we noticed against West Virginia, your linebackers kind of dominated the game. So we're just going to throw and throw and throw and throw. <laughs> and what, by doing that, basically all that happened was is that it took our linebackers out of the game, right? And so because um, our secondary is easily the worst part of the team. Um, now, what I will say about the secondary is, is our safeties hurt. Our safeties aren't very good. But one on, when it comes to one-on-one, you have Zach McPherson, you have DeMarcus Fields out on the, at corners, and they have skill. Zach McPherson, I feel like, gets an interception every other game. DeMarcus Fields will usually fight with the number one receiver on the other on the other side of the ball. Um, they're decent corners, uh, but it's just all you have to do is just keep throwing the ball downfield, and you're gonna you're gonna beat this team pretty pretty well. Which is, I'm glad we're playing y'all because I'm I'm not too fearful of that. <laughs> Funny you should say that actually, because I mean Kansas has shown the propensity. The, the The biggest problem Kansas had is that the offensive line hasn't given the quarterback time to throw. But they have a really talented wide receiver core that when they when the when when the quarterbacks have had time, you know, they actually have been able to get it to them and they've been able to make big plays. And so yeah. it sounds like yeah, Texas I, Tech almost has the perfect recipe for Kansas offense to potentially have some success. Um, so I actually, making me feel I actually, a little bit better. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I actually think y'all match up pretty well against us. I think the I, the main thing is is that. No offense, but y'all are Kansas, so it should. Oh be yeah, offense. of course. No, 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 no offense taken. <laughs> um, but no, y'all, y'all do match up pretty well against us because on the flip side of that, like Keith Patterson, who I think is a good defensive coordinator, I really do. I think he does a really good job of one of the biggest problems we had during the Kingsbury tenure was our guys broke tackles like they were going at of, like they were going out of style. And this year, very few broken tackles. Very, I think the guys are coached up very well. They're better player, defensive players now at the end of the season as they were, than they were at the beginning of the season than they were last year. However, Keith Patterson, the thing he does that infuriates me is he consistently puts a three-man um, D-line and says, you three have at it, and that's it. 
He doesn't call blitzes when he needs to, doesn't call blitzes when he's supposed to, consistently will have three guys rush the passer. And it boggles my mind why he does this all the time. Most three-man sets like Iowa State, they blitz from every end anyway, right? That's the point of the three-man setup. And so you can bring pressure from anywhere. But Keith Patterson doesn't like doing that. The one game he decided to do that was Baylor. Guess what we did against Baylor? We won. It's a crazy concept. I know. But um, so he doesn't do that a lot. So if he doesn't do that in this game, guys like Miles Kendrick or Jalen Daniels, we talked about a pre-potter. We don't know who's going to start. But those guys will have time if if he decides once again not to bring pressure. Uh, and with that, you might be able to throw it deep to the what hurts our team more than anything, which is the secondary. So um, y'all actually do match up pretty well in this game. Uh, but like I said, no offense, but y'all can't. Right. Until Kansas actually wins a game this year. Then again, I have, really can't. They only Andy, have a I couple of opportunities. So. <laughs> Andy, I don't know why I'm saying this, though, because in the – in the in the Texas Tech Kansas rivalry, y'all have the one up. Yeah, y'all currently True. are the the um, most recent champion in this season in this series. So I can't be talking. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm I'm expecting though that what made the difference last year probably won't make the difference in the same way this year because. You know, I, I might have said that given Matt Wells' propensity to try to kick on second down um, <laughs> when I have no idea why. Or, you know, I mean, you guys had a kicker that was one of five at the time. And then, but, you know, against Baylor, you guys finally found a kicker, it seems. I'm not sure why he wasn't starting long before then. But uh, how have the special teams been for you guys this year? And, I mean, do you, are they are they looking up at this point, or are you still kind of on the edge of your seat every single time that they go to kick or do something? There is teams? not a group on this team that is more hit and miss than the special teams unit, right? Like, it's not that we hate the special teams unit because we've had. Um, I remember there was a, the Texas game. The special teams is awesome. Special teams is absolutely awesome. Except, oh wait, right, he missed two field goals, but they had really good returns. But um, we had a botch, we had a botch return. We had also had a botch return. Um, like there was like that, all that, all that happened in one game. Like it was, it, it was crazy. So that happened in one game we've had throughout the year. We've had, um, great return followed by a fumble on a return, followed by a, uh, Garibay going crazy on field goals. Then the next week, uh, then the very next week we decide let's do an onside kick while we have all the momentum just so the other teams can run, turn it back for a touchdown. Like th- th- there's not a group on this team that is more hot and cold than special teams. Um, so I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. We could, <laughs> um, Garibay could kick a 60 yard field goal. And at the same time, have a kick six right after that. I have no idea. Like there's, there's no way to know. I will say Garibay so far, since he's been given the starting job has been fantastic. He's been excellent. Uh, hasn't missed a field goal yet. The exact opposite of our previous kicker who, like you said, was one for five. Um, and you know what helps Garibay though? is not having to kick, on second down that helps yeah probably <laughs> i i still that baffled my mind when he kicked out on second down and then the explanation that that matt wells gave after the game just made me wonder you know kind of what was going on there and i mean i can understand why some texas tech fans are wanting to get rid of him because he's done some really strange things that make you wonder like if he's going to do more strange things like that consistently and then they're going to have problems later but yeah I do my, agree my theory with you. is it's- well, my theory is is that he at Utah State 
right? He's in the, he's in the uh, Mountain West, and he, I guess, was the smartest man in the room, right? He's going up against whoever he's going up against. When he goes up against Wyoming or whatever BFE University out in the West Coast he plays against, he's the smartest. He can outsmart the other guy on the field. However, this is the Big 12. Everybody got good coaches. Yep. I mean, you know, like, it's, it, you're not going to really outsmart guys on this level. And I, and I think that he is adjusting, having to adjust to the fact that he, he's got to find a way to – you don't have to outsmart the guy on the other side of the field. You just have to go line up, play football, coach your guys hard, and you'll be fine. But um, I think he's always, he's always thinking that, okay, if I just do this here, if I just do this here, oh, they'll never catch me on this. No, they'll, they'll, they'll probably catch you. Like, you don't have to do – you know, right. oh, there's another one. You don't have to do a fake field goal from your 30. Like you're not catching anyone by surprise, you know. Like it's just, it, it, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's one of those things where the athletes weren't quite as good and couldn't adjust as quickly on the fly. It might have made sense that you could outsmart them that way, but you know, these are Big Twelve, like Power Five caliber athletes for the most part. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder to outsmart guys because they've seen some weird stuff and they can, you know, they can react a lot quicker to it and potentially still make a play where it might have, you know, been a gigantic, huge scoring play for you at the lower levels if, you know, because your guys know what's coming and they don't. So, um, yeah, okay. So, so turning to this specific game though, because we're, we're actually running a little short on time compared to where I thought we would be. But um, talking specifically about this game, what do you think is going to be the key matchup in this game that's going to decide who actually wins? I, I, I really think it's pass rush. I, you know, I would, I think if we get the, uh, um, if we get Kendrick or Daniels, I think there's a good chance it'll be Daniels playing in this game. But um, if we get pressure on him and we get him down because he's, he's a pretty athletic guy. So, right. So if we get him down, um, I think we'll be able to – I think this will be a nice and easy win. We can go on home, right? I think offensively we're going to have a good day. All right, y'all's, y'all's defense ain't really much to to to, snap, to snatch at. So I think we'll have a um, uh, a pretty good day offensively. I think it'll really just be if we get pass rush, we get Daniels down, or if it's Kendrick, we get Kendrick down. We don't allow y'all to get those big plays. So I think y'all still are pretty good at getting those home run plays in action. Um, so if we limit those home run plays, which this secondary is, is a proponent, of giving up big plays and big um, uh, touchdown passes, we limit those. Get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, we can all go home at halftime. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we all may want to go home at halftime anyway, regardless of who's actually winning. Just who knows how bad the football is going to be. But um, no, I mean, it's it's also one of those things. I do think that Kansas has an opportunity to be successful, um, even on defense, because I mean, they do have a really good secondary. Um, and the defensive line has definitely been coming on as those freshmen again, you know, have really started to kind of understand what it is they need to do. And Marcus, Marcus Harris and Dejon Terry have really stepped up big for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against this Texas Tech defensive line. I do think though that you're right. The pass rush on both sides of the ball here is really going to be what determines it. If Kansas is able to push the Texas Tech offensive line into some problems. It's going to frustrate Texas Tech, I think, really quickly and could potentially lead to some some more interesting um, results there and give Kansas an opportunity to stay in this game. If Kansas can stay in the game, um, you know, through the fourth quarter, like get to the fourth quarter and still be within, you know, 10 to 14 points, then I think they have a good shot of closing this out. You know, they were able to, to kind of make it 
a game against Iowa State for a good portion of that, and then Iowa State just kind of turned on the Turbo Jets at that point and ran up the score. Um, you know, I, I I don't know that Texas Tech has the same ability to be able to do that on both sides of the ball the way that Iowa State was able to if we get to that point. Now, granted, that's a big ask still for Texas for for Kansas to actually get to that point in the game and be able to do that. Um, but I can at least see an opportunity that that's a a possibility in this game. Not that I'm going to say that it's actually going to happen. Um, but but I at least think that it's possible, which is more hope than I I think I've been willing to give myself in anything except for that game against TCU, and we all saw how that went. So hey, um, if we if this game is close, if this game was within ten towards the end of the game, no one blows leads like the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So I am confident that y'all can make it do what it do. If you remember, the uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders had a lead. Um, against the Kansas Jayhawks just a year ago. Had a nice little comfy 13-point lead on the Kansas Very, very true. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, remember remember what happened whenever uh, we had a guy and he decided uh, to score a touchdown because the game's going to be over, right? And, you know, then it wasn't. So No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, so so I do want to go ahead and get what is your your actual prediction for this game? How do you think it's going to go? What do you think the final score is going to be? So I, you know what, midway through the season, we, I was joking because I thought this game would be the battle for the worst team in the conference, and uh, we beat Baylor, so I don't think we're the wor- second worst team in the conference anymore. But um, I, but I did. I was joking. I was like, man, you know, who knows? Maybe Kansas might give us a game. And then I saw y'all play TCU. And <laughs> boy, y'all are something else. <laughs> I don't. So, yeah. um, <laughs> well, so in their defense, that it's it's actually kind of funny because everyone has been trashing the Kansas defense, and I actually went back and looked, and with one of the beat writers for for Kansas, went back and looked as well. It was the same linebacker on all three of those plays that misdiagnosed the tight end as an eligible receiver he thought he was a you know ineligible that he was a a tackle completely missed it on all three of those plays and you know the guy was completely wide open because everyone else was doing other things in other places where they were supposed to be so it's like it's one of those things it looks absolutely horrible on the defense as a whole but it was really just one guy not knowing what he was supposed to be doing it was a it was a true freshman who i believe it was his second game in action there and he was definitely having some issues. <laughs> so like, it, it definitely looks as bad as, as it can get in those, but I also don't think it's like a systemic issue with the Kansas defense, um, which makes me th- but I will say that the Kansas linebackers are probably, or are by far the weakest unit for Kansas. You know, if you take the Texas tech linebackers and the rest of the Kansas defense, you probably have a pretty good defensive unit. Actually. Um, it would be very, very interesting to kind of see that. And of course they're all young. So even as, as they continue to get better, they are still prone to having, you know, those freshman lapses occasionally, which leads to gigantic plays. Or, you know, if they're playing against much more experienced teams like Oklahoma, you just com- get completely shredded. So, oh yeah, when, when you're playing Oklahoma, you just sit everybody down. gets shredded for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> this is a down year for them. It pisses me off. Um, but yeah, no, for y'all, your your smallest victory, your smallest loss in the Big Twelve so far was when y'all lost to West Virginia, thirty-eight to seventeen. I'm kind of going the same direction. I think that we beat y'all. Um, since we beat West Virginia, I'm going to say we beat y'all 45-21. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I do think – I haven't even looked at the line on this one. Um, but to be honest, like, I have a hard time imagining – 27 and a half. 
It's, it's a, uh, I was gonna bet on it, and I was like, "Whoo, that's that's every that's every week." It's been one where it's like, "Man, that probably sounds about right," but I could also see Kansas covering, so I don't want to go against them. But you know, that that probably sounds about right. I'm thinking probably somewhere, you know, twenty four to twenty eight points, somewhere in that range. So, oh, man, I, I'm gonna have an official score prediction coming up here pretty soon. Uh, when this drops, it'll probably be dropping later in the day. So, but uh, but yeah, uh, I'm honestly not sure. I do think that Kansas isn't, isn't going to win the game. They may be able to keep it close, but you know, it might be similar to that Iowa State game where they keep it close. It gets a little bit uncomfortable for for Texas Tech, but then they go ahead and pull away at the end um, to kind of see what they can do, though. So, all right, I did in just a couple in just like the minute and a half we have left. I did want to talk about college basketball because we, you know. This looks like it's going to be an absolutely loaded Big 12 this year. You know, Baylor is getting ready to have a game against Gonzaga. West Virginia gave Gonzaga a game. Kansas, even though they lost by 12, you know, scored 90 on Gonzaga and then beat Kentucky. Like, there's going to be a lot of really good teams in the Big 12 this year. And while the Big 10 has a lot as well, I still think that the Big 12 is the high, is the best conference up at the top. You know, and every single team in this conference is going to be a difficult one to deal with, um, with the exception of maybe like an Iowa State um, or or maybe a TCU, kind of depending on, on how they develop there. So what are your thoughts, though? Like, who do you think is going to win the Big 12? And, and do you think it's, like, do you agree with me that it's probably going to be a log jam up at the top? Like, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if all, like, the top five teams are all in the season, like, a game, like, within a game of each other, and we have, like, 50 teams that are tied for the Big 12 lead at the end of the year. Yeah, no, the Big 12 is going to be a, such a such a crapshoot, like, I was pretty excited this year because I thought this was the year that Kansas wouldn't be great, right? And yeah. then I forgot that y'all had Marcus Garrett, and that's pretty upsetting. Um, but, and then, uh, and then of course, Jalen Wilson, man, he's he yeah, like he can like, be a stud. I'm so upset. No. I was like, this is the year. Kansas is like fifth <laughs> in the Big 12. It'll be awesome. And, they they yeah. still might be, though. I mean, everyone else in the top of the conference is, is pretty good, too, so. Yeah, well, my pick at the beginning of the year in our season preview, I picked to be co-champions West Virginia and Texas Tech. I was being a little bit of a homer. I try not to be a homer, um, but I was a homer. I'm, I'm, I've become yeah, it happens. a pretty big homer. For, we can yeah, forgive so it. I, I, yeah, so my, my prediction was West Virginia and Tech which would be co-champions. I really I really like Chibwe. I really like Derek Culver. Um, West Virginia played Gonzaga really tough recently. After, after a couple games early in the season where I was like, eh, they, I think they did a, such an incredible job against Um So I think West Virginia is going to be right up there, and I, I got them as co-champs in this in this conference. Uh, but this conference is it's ridiculous. I mean, I I was I've been salivating over Oklahoma State for the last two years. I thought they were going to be really good this this year, especially getting Kate Cunningham, and they're going to yeah. be like seventh because of how deep the conference is. Uh, Texas is ridiculously talented, but luckily they have Shaka Smart, so we ain't got to worry about them too much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully anyway. I mean, they they've yeah, actually I mean, been really good this year too. So they oh have their, their talent is ridiculous, but we're like we're like just like Texas football, we're hoping that their coaching gets in the way of their talent. Yeah, and then <laughs> we'll bring them back down to earth. Baylor, great great team. They don't have size, but Tech losing the U of H worries me because U of H and Baylor are very similar teams, and so if U of H can do to to us what they just did then I'm, I'm really worried about this Baylor team now, uh, even with, with their lack of size. I mean, it's not like we – it's not like Tech, we have size either. So, uh, yeah. So that will be a thing. But this 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 conference is uh, absolutely loaded. Um, like you said, five teams right there that are all going to fight out. I could see us having five, you know, two through four seeds uh, or one through four seeds all within the Big 12. We're just going to beat up on each other. 
Yeah, to, I mean, to be honest, like, even if Oklahoma State finishes, like, seventh in the conference, they still have a legitimate shot, assuming they are able to get in because of the appeals process, a legitimate shot of getting the Elite Eight. Like, they they are going to be that good this year as well. So it's going to be really, really interesting. So, all right, and that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we hit all the important topics and even got to sneak in a little bit of basketball. But, uh, Albie, where can the people find your work online? So, for me, you can find me uh, on Twitter. Right, it's the best best website on the internet. Uh, at Mister <laughs> underscore Albie Shore. Um, also follow the home team at Air Raid Podcast. Um, because when you want to hate listen your opponent, we are the best Texas Tech podcast for you to hate listen. Um, for me, yeah. And, so, yeah, you know, and 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 to be honest, like basketball is going to be so much fun that I'm going to want to hear from all the other teams that you know think that they're going to have an opportunity to win the big 12 this year before bill self rips their heart out at the end of the season so oh it's gonna it's piss gonna be, me off oh, it's gonna so be so much <laughs> oh my god andy if kansas <laughs> basketball wins another big 12 championship this year it'll piss it's be, me off like so much if they if they share the title then it won't necessarily no, 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 no. too many people off no can you imagine if it was like a five way tie for the big 12 champion like for the big no, 12 no cuz you know you know the rule you know the rule in big 12 basketball Andy if Kansas has a share of the title it's their oh team. i know oh i know <laughs> that's the rule it, it would be it would be absolutely hilarious if there's like a five way tie for the big 12 title and Kansas gets a share and everyone else shares it as well but like the only thing people remember is that Kansas got a share of the title that year so oh my god i'd be so it, pissed. only 2019 only counts as our championship because k-state also won it so it's like oh k-state nobody cares about them that's fine we can get that right. but if y'all yeah. would have won it it would just been like oh kansas wins again i'll right. be this, this is a down year for y'all andy you're not supposed <laughs> to win this year right stop the, the, it this is just like the the you know down year for Oklahoma in football. This is a down year for Kansas basketball, and honestly, it looks like both of those teams have a very good shot of still winning the conference. In those, oh my so. god, I'll be so pissed. You have no idea how upset. You know what? At least I have. I'm just so glad I have Kansas basketball because otherwise, I would have a really hard time staying a Kansas fan with the way the football team is going. So, all right, but we are going to go ahead and leave it there. I'll be. Thank you so much for for joining me today. Or today. Thank, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, which Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Talk so you can – I'm sorry, Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to every episode as soon as it uh, as soon as soon it comes out. It will be there for you. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, we'd absolutely love that. If not, for whatever reason, just – let us know what it is we can do better. We really do bring you this podcast to get you all the information that you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at, at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Of course, you can also follow the the Rock Chalk Talk site where I you know I do a lot of my work there and of course where we post the podcast at Rock Chalk Talk as well on Twitter. Uh, but we really do want to interact with you guys there. Um, also, now that we're on Anchor, you can actually leave us a voicemail so that your, you know, your voice can get onto the show. So if you just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, you can leave me a voicemail. Um, we can get your reaction to games or honestly, you can really kind of talk about whatever you want. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get that voice on the show there. So, um, But that's going to do it for us today. Albie, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.